Welcome to Compliance Pointers, where we take an in-depth look into the latest news, trends, and challenges surrounding information security, privacy, and marketing compliance. Let's dive in with your host, Jordan Eisner. All right, welcome to Compliance Pointers, where we aim to deliver in-depth and actionable information pertaining to information security, privacy, and regulatory compliance news, trends, and challenges. So if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe today. I'm Jordan Eisner, one of the hosts of Compliance Pointers and the VP of Sales for Compliance Point, a mid-sized consulting firm specializing in helping organizations scale and reduce risk by maturing data security and privacy operations. With me once again, I have Carol Amick, Compliance Point's healthcare practice lead and main HIPAA guru, as I refer to her. Carol, great to have you again. Thank you, Jordan. Great to In be here. Episode, what's that? It said it's great to be here. Yeah. In this episode, we're discussing effective vendor cybersecurity management, a topic equally loved by organizations and their vendors, from my experiences at least. So, Carol, before we dive in, can you explain to our audience how you know a little something about this? Well, I've been working, as you said, in healthcare for a long time, and one of the big um, things we've seen in healthcare is a large number of breaches of protected health information from business associates or vendors of companies. So the company itself didn't necessarily have the breach and release your information out into the wide world web, but your partner did. So you shared your data with somebody who you're doing business with, and they have then done a breach. Um, for example, in 2022, about 50% of the um, largest breaches were related to not the person who originally had the data, but someone they shared the data with for healthcare. So it's a very big risk to companies and organizations who are providing data to their vendors, business associates, partners. The liability often resides with the organization that originally got the data. So you need to know who is protecting your data and where it's going. Yeah. Did you just, did you say what percentage? So in healthcare, I was looking at 2022 because uh -huh. um, I, I had that as a lot of, and 52% of the largest data breaches, um, the largest data breaches would be those over half a million records. 52% of those were not from the, the healthcare organization that originally collected the data that had your PHI, but from someone they shared the data with. For okay. example, mailing companies, collection agencies, um, people that read, they share the read the um, scans from your x-rays, your MRIs, a lot of different vendors who leaked the data onto the internet or out to bad actors after it was shared by the original developer of the data. Right. So it's a sample set. It's not a yeah. question, but about half of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, yeah, you're... Relevant. Yeah. It's it, it it definitely you're definitely at risk when you share data downstream, so to speak. Yep. Okay. Well, we'll get into the Q and A. Let's start with a softball. Why is it important to know what security procedures your vendors have in place beyond what you just talked about, right? With with breach, right, and knowing if they're going to you know be a secure operation to share data with. Um, what about just the process of, of understanding policies and procedures? Why is that also important? If you're sharing your data um, out with a third party, 
you probably have some legal commitments at some point to protect it. So you need to understand what's happening to it and whether it's secure before you let it go just to protect yourself from that legal point of view. Mm -hmm. um, failure to do that is going to open you up not only to regulatory actions from state agencies, federal agencies, but we're seeing a large increase in class action lawsuits. Um, for example, one of the things we've been working on at Compliance Point relating to healthcare is a large, how do we respond to class action lawsuits surrounding um, the release of protected health information from website trackers. So you have a tracker on your website and it's releasing data to Facebook or to Google. That actually is potentially a breach of your protected health information. So you now have class action lawsuits. So there's a huge risk. So you need to have a really good understanding before you share your data that it's protected. But finding out afterwards that it's not is probably going to be cost prohibitive. Yeah. Okay. Good answer. And for our listeners, if you're interested further in the HIPAA and the web traffic and the implications of that, we did do another podcast on that. It was Carol and myself, and you can listen to that one for a deeper dive into that. So let's talk about some of the common strategies for evaluating vendor security. And why don't you, Carol, then give some color on each, although it's probably going to be self-explanatory. But uh, more importantly, I'd say the pros and cons, right? Okay. So uh, for starters, there's agreeing to security requirements up front and contracts with vendors. Important? Yes, no? I'm, I'm thinking probably yes. I would say cons? yes. I mean, you definitely want to have your contracts say that you expect the vendor to do the right thing. You definitely want to. And if you are, for example, if you're a healthcare organization, you want to make sure your vendor is agreeing with HIPAA, if you are a partner of a healthcare organization and you are sharing your data downstream, they're still required to agree with HIPAA. Um, same kind of thing if you're required to comply with the, um, various other state and federal regulations. It's, it's not only what you do when you sign your agreement, but what your people you share it with. So you want to be sure you've done that. Um, I think that's the bare minimum. Um, failure to do that just would you know, I think any lawyer would be able to bust through any defense right away if you didn't have a contract at the bare minimum. Yeah. And so what would a con be? It slows down the process of bringing well, on the con is The con is, there's no con necessarily to that. The con is where you look, think that's enough. The con is when you say, okay, well, I've got a contract. They're going to do the right thing. I'm off the hook. Because the truth is you're not off the hook just because you got a contract. Um, you really need to do a little more than just get the contract. Okay. That might be a good segue into the next one then. Beyond contracting, a company might or an organization might conduct a review of its vendor's policies and procedures. So we've, we've captured it in the contract, going to abide by HIPAA or other cybersecurity metrics, but this is going a little step further, right? Okay, now send us your policy, send us your procedures or some sort of vendor security you know, review process. Is that a good added step? Is that enough? You know, what, what are, what's your take on that? So I think there, I see this a lot. I see companies do this a lot and it, it's a good, good first step. It does give you an understanding of what an organization has committed to do internally, what they're saying they're going to do. It shows you if they have a framework, for example, did they base their policy procedures on things like NIST or ISO or other generally accepted security frameworks? So it gives you a very good framework coming into that. 
Um, it gives you an idea of where they are. You do want to, on the con side, you, you've got to make sure those are somehow implemented and you want to be sure that they're really the policy and procedures they're using. And I'll give you an example. I got a set of policy and procedures from a company one time to evaluate for security and I start reading them and it's got a whole section on the loading dock. Now, I happen to know that this company did not have any physical equipment that would ever require a loading dock. And as I kept reading, it became very apparent that this was a set of policy and procedures they bought off the Internet somewhere and never even customized for their company. It was just, look, we've got security policy and procedures now. So you want to look for red flags like that when you're looking through them as a con to make sure that this is really what they're doing, not something they're giving you so they'll get their so they'll get the business. Right. So I guess you have to ask yourself, are we comfortable just contracting and having them? you know, test that they're doing these things and, and that's enough. Do we want to take a step further and look at the policies, look at the procedures? And if we do so, are we going to do something about it if they don't match up, right? I mean, that's sort of what you're getting into with that. Mm -hmm. You right. are kind of getting into that. You're going to have to, I feel like if you're just relying on policies and procedures, you're somehow going to have to figure out how does the company confirm they're implemented. You're going to have to get a good feeling about the maturity of the organization in terms of those policy procedures and whether they reflect reality. I mean, are they dependent on key people that maybe aren't there anymore? Do they say insert company name here? That would be a red flag. <laughs> and what, and what, you know, what repercussions are the vendor potentially going to face, right? Are you going to cut them off as a vendor? You know, are you going to make them update those things? And, and maybe I'm putting the cart before the horse. Yeah, I think that but you know, I haven't seen a lot of repercussions from this. That would be something somebody would have to think about. I think generally what I see the policy and procedure review done is very early on in the procurement process. And so it may be that if you if they don't have good policy and procedures, some vendors just get tossed out early on in the procurement process. Um, I think at that point it is a good first step maybe to get going. I'm not sure that particularly depending on what you're kind of data you're sharing, how much data you're sharing, et cetera, that that for most good cybersecurity evaluations, that's going to be enough. You're going to have to go on to another step. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And and I'm certainly in my experience and on the business development side, right? Um, familiar with vendor security questionnaires, not so much an assessment, right? That we're going to get to, but ultimately to your point, right? Pre-sale before you've contracted with them, show us your policies, show us your procedures, show them, you know, show us what's applicable and how you, um, you know, implement these, right? Or how you work around these, not work around, but uh, <laughs> work to have those in place, right? How you don't work around them ultimately. Yeah. So, all right, well, moving on to then assessments, right? And mm -hmm. really three types, I think, a self-assessment a vendor might perform and provide to the organization it's working for, or maybe a third party one that's not, necessarily associated with any sort of group or you know like high trust or something like that and then of course there's the one that would be a certification through a third party such as high trust right and some of the other ones we talked about so starting with the self-assessment uh let's go there what are your thoughts on a self-assessment what are the pros what are the cons requiring that of the organization or or maybe i guess more so even a vendor offering that to the organizations they're going to be working with here's our self-assessment so this is one you see a lot where people will send to a vendor a questionnaire and say, fill this out and tell us what we're doing. And based on that, we'll evaluate whether you can continue to be our partner and work with us. 
this it has some pros. It's it's generally from the point of view of the procuring company, it's quicker. You're just sending this thing out and getting it back. You go through it, you look for any problems, you move on. Most of the people getting them hate them because there are a lot of work to fill out. There are a couple hundred pages and a couple hundred questions usually, and it gets long. The other side of this is, and I'm gonna, you know, I tell this story a lot, but we had a company that was going to try to get a certification and they did a self-assessment just like this on their own. And I'm convinced that what they really did was just looked at the questionnaire and said, oh yeah, we have to do that. And so I think that's what you sometimes get is the person filling out the questionnaire looks at that and goes, oh, of course we do that. That's something everybody does and just clicks yes. Mm. Um, we're in good shape without actually verifying that the control is actually being in place, that it's really being done. Um, or even in the worst case scenario, clicks yes on the theory that if we get this business, we'll make enough money to implement that and we'll be okay. So, yeah. it's, you know, you're trusting the honesty of the person trying to get it. Um, I would say you want to make sure it's filled out by somebody in cybersecurity. Nothing personal, Jordan, but I certainly would not want the business development team filling out these kind of questionnaires. Sure, sure. You have to consider prioritization right yes. they may be <laughs> that's a good way of putting it <laughs> on uh, on that so th and that's what makes a self-assessment <laughs> i think tough right for an organization or, or a company relying on that from a vendor it's not a distrust or honesty it's just a lot of times vendors are are uh you know entrepreneurial organizations growing fast you know people wearing a lot of different hats and these security questionnaires or self-assessments can be a slowdown of business and create friction and sometimes it's just about getting them done right and i would say if you're starting with a startup sometimes and we've worked with clients on this and um, they may not always fully understand the questions i mean we've got clients yeah. who will call us up and say we've got this questionnaire can you help us because we yeah. don't even understand what they're asking so if they don't if they're a startup a small startup and you're you know they've got some fancy new system you want to use they may not they may have honestly answered it as best they can but they may not have fully understood what you wanted that's a good point yeah i mean some of those questionnaires are just well we're getting to the questionnaire part not necessarily the self-assessment that's kind of what it is. It's just, the questionnaire is kind of a self-assessment of where you are. So yeah, that's kind of where you are on that. So yeah. Okay. Well, then a step up from that would not be the certification, but you know maybe a third-party attestation. It's not you know official process, but it's an organization like Compliance Point, for instance. We provide not a HIPAA certification because there's no HIPAA certification, right? But we provide mm -hmm. opinion, right? Mm -hmm. That it controls or policies and procedures are are in line with HIPAA yeah. and their obligations. So how about this? I think it's obvious why it's a step up from a self-assessment. You get a third party involved, but, but talk a little bit more about the pros and cons of this route. I and mean, I think this is a good route, particularly for depending on the size of the um of the various organizations. It, you want somebody who is independent. You've got a couple of options here. One is, yeah, you can get something like something like we've done already for a client. Um, we do various evaluations of privacy programs, security programs, risk assessments, et cetera. And we are always happy to, you know, work with you all with you all and your clients on that. Um, you can go do it yourself if you have an internal audit function, for example, or you have um, somebody cybersecurity who does that. You can go do your own audit. That's an independent review of the evaluation. Um, either one of those are going to get you a, a good feeling for what's going on in security. Now, if it is an independent 
third party like what we do, you're going to want to look at the scope and make sure it was, you know, what you wanted it to be looked at. I mean, obviously, when an organization hires us, a lot of times they have us look at just one part of the business or something like that. So you want to be sure the scope is in there. Um, that would be the con. It may not cover everything you wanted covered, depending on what was done, when it was done. The other thing you do want to look at is timing. When was it done? I mean, these would not, these are not, you know, like official certifications. They don't require any redo. So you could be a couple of years old. And if it is, you probably want to make sure that everything that was documented there is still in place. Um, but it definitely brings up your level of assurance considerably, um, particularly, for example, as I said, my background is healthcare. You know, making sure they're at least compliant with HIPAA, I, I feel like, you know, at least that's you're covering that law. When you when you had them sign that agreement that you've signed, it says they're going to comply with the HIPAA regulation. Having that independent audit kind of proves that to you that they did do that. Mm. Um, so that would be. Yeah, I would actually ask for an audit or a letter or rep letter or something, because as you said, um, anyone, particularly for HIPAA, can put HIPAA comply on their website with a little logo. That really doesn't mean much because the government has never officially officially approved a HIPAA compliance certification. Right, right. And I know in my experience, which you mentioned it pretty pretty well there, Carol, right? We've done this in data privacy. We've done this with HIPAA, right? We've done this with other cybersecurity frameworks that aren't necessarily you know, certifiable, but, <laughs> but something where you have a third-party opinion attestation. A lot of times it comes after the vendor's already working for the company. So this is not so much a pre-sale thing, but they've said, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to get that or we're, we're going to make sure we're HIPAA compliant. And, you know, we'll get a phone call and says, okay, well, we just landed this big contract with this big business. And now we need to be HIPAA compliant in two weeks, right? <laughs> or, or something of that nature, right? Or, or yeah. we demonstrate our data privacy controls. And that's where we come in and help. So um, I would say an, another con would probably be that it's going to cost more money than doing yeah. a, you know, assessment yourself internally through a vendor security questionnaire or just review of policies um, and time and and likely going to require you to make some changes too. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you're the procuring organization, you know, you may get some pushback because it is going to cost money, but you want to be sure that your vendors, um, if 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 they really tell you they can't afford that, then there's a question of where are they on, this, on the scale of can they afford what needs to be done too. Um, yeah. These are not incredibly expensive reviews as a general rule. This is not as... clarify that too, right? It's not going to necessarily cost the organization money. It's going to cost the, the vendor money. Yeah. But to your point, that could weed out some vendors. And, right? and, and we have had some some companies who have wanted to work with a company that's smaller and starting up and have, they have you know paid to have us review the um, operations of that partner, potential partner. So that's, you know, it could cost in that case, it could cost you money too. Sure. Yeah. We've been fortunate enough as a business to be on both sides, helping vendors, right, um, with, with attestation that they are following security or privacy procedures and showing that other organizations, but also working on behalf of organizations to vet their vendors. So the last one, and we've hinted at this one a good bit, is third-party certifications. This is where, just to reiterate, I'm talking about high trust, I'm talking about ISO 27001, um, SOC 2, not a certification, but you know, a, a third-party report, right, or sort of attestation as to practices around on data handling. So I know high trust you know very well, so the other ones I'm sure you're familiar with. Let's talk about the pros and cons of these. So these are based on all of these, even SOC 2, are based on some 
guidance and regulations put out by a governing body. So you've got some very robust standards around what needs to go on in there. So that gives you that assurance that you're looking at the controls and the risks that are out there right now. For example, one of the ones we do is we work on as PCI. Um, it was recently updated, and one of the reasons it was updated is because there have been um, significant changes to the threat environment out there. The same thing for high trust. High trust is updated at least annually to reflect changes to the threat environment. So that's the real benefit of these. They're also, you know, they're required to be periodically renewed and periodically reviewed by a CPA firm, somebody like us, you know, a certified assessor. And the assessor firms are, and the CPA firms are all reviewed by a governing body. So the 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 incentive is on us to make sure we're doing the right thing because otherwise we would be in trouble. So you have a lot of robust reliability built into those kind of systems. Right. Um, it's generally covering a bigger area and a bigger batch of controls than what we talked about a little while ago. Sometimes these cybersecurity audits that are fairly focused. And I'll go back to healthcare. We talked about the HIPAA audits we do. They're focused really on the HIPAA regulations. Well, when you for healthcare, the next step up in security hierarchy, so to speak, is high trust. It not only looks at HIPAA, it pulls in a lot of the NIST controls. It pulls in a lot of the ISO controls. And considering that HIPAA is about 20 years, over 20 years old at this point, um, you know, those controls that are pulled into high trust are important that you may not be looking at when you look at HIPAA. Our phishing is a prime example. HIPAA was written well before email was the business methodology it is now. Um, and so it doesn't require that we look at phishing. Now, we generally do ask our organizations, but if you were just go strictly by the regulation, it's not really called out in there. Whereas if you go to high trust, it's definitely called out. It's what are you doing about phishing? Are you training? Do you have some tools set up on your system to kind of block blatant spam that is definitely just trying to break into your system. So there's a lot more robustness. The other thing is, from the point of view of you as an organization, you can look at that report and get some reliance much easier than spending a long time weeding through questionnaires trying to decide if they really answer those questions right, um, understand what they might be saying. You've got a little more reliability. Once again, it can go a lot faster. Some of the organizations like Hot Trust actually even do a report distribution system to send it to you directly, um, cutting out some of the back and forth. So, I mean, there's some real pros to it. Now, and the con? Right. Mm -hmm. and I know you're about to get the cons, but consistency too, right? Because you know, you might have company X do a third-party evaluation of this vendor and company B do a third-party evaluation of this vendor and company C or high trust, right? It's the same protocol, right? It should be. It's the yeah, same it, there's this consistency across. across the framework. And you, no matter who your high trust assessor is, who your PCI assessor is, who you're, we're all working off the same hymnal, so to speak. We're all singing out the same, you know, we're all working right. out of the same book. Um, So it's very, um, it's very consistent across frameworks and across organizations. Um, yeah, so that's a real positive, I think, if you are, and we are seeing, I don't know, in healthcare, we are seeing more and more push to rely upon having these third-party assessments, you know, done um, because the the health covered entities just do not want to spend the time reading through your policies and procedures, interviewing you, asking questions. They want you to present it to them not, nicely tied up with a bow on it, and they can decide if you're secure or not. Right, right. Uh, it's time and money, right? And, and yeah. to scale a vendor 
operation or vendor management operation, which is becoming more and more vital, right? Organizations, you got to scale it somehow. So you're going to get into cons. I imagine one of them is big cost for the vendors, right? Long path to getting some of these certifications. Yeah, the, the probably the biggest con is probably the cost. I mean, we do all these, you know, I think one of the most extensive we do is FedRAMP and everything I've seen on FedRAMP is, is outrageously expensive. Um, so, you know, it's it, these are very expensive certifications. Um, they, you know, that they do require a commitment and they require commitment, not just from the cybersecurity guys I'm, I'm dealing with, but from everybody in the organization, because they're going to use some resources, they're going to use time, and they're also not just going to be looking at cybersecurity. For example, you know, both PCI and, and HITRUST, for example, look at your onboarding practices in great detail to make sure that you are bringing in people that are not going to compromise your system. Or at least you hope you're bringing in people that aren't going to compromise your system. So, um, you know, there's they're going to involve other areas of the organization in addition to just the cybersecurity area, getting these frameworks done. Um, so the cost is then now it is, you know, what what the, a lot way they advertise themselves is you do it once and then you provide it to all of your vendors. So are you going to save some money, maybe not filling out 25 questionnaires? That would be the goal is you're, you know, not doing that. But there is a cost and then you may have to implement some controls. Um, for example, a lot of clients we have do this wind up having to upgrade their logging system um, simply because these assessments require more detailed logging of read, write, delete activities going on in their system than maybe they have now. They want some more automated reporting to meet these requirements than maybe they have now. So they may have to do some upgrades there. So there's those costs too that you may get when you get into these certifications. Sure. sure. And pros from the vendor side, marketability, uh, I would say easier vendor review process or at least that's the idea right i know you see a lot of a lot of things out there linkedin especially where somebody's iso certified they have a SOC 2 report they're hydro certified and then they still get a thousand question vendor security questionnaire right from the organization hiring them yeah and i think what we you know we we i, I, I think what you want to work with your your partners on if you get those questionnaires just try to get them to rely on these certifications if you've done them um I'm seeing that work more better and better, particularly in healthcare. It's 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 time word gets out. Um, you spent that money to prove that you were secure. Right. Yeah, send them the report, see if they'll take that. Um, and you know, we work with our clients. We we will talk to their customers and their vendors and say, you know, this is what they've proven by giving you this. So, you know, we're more than willing to do that too. And I'm sure anybody else's assessor firm would be just as happy to do that. Okay. Okay, so sort of in closing, right? Last question. We've talked about these methods for vendor management. What are steps that you would recommend, right, to execute depending on the strategy, right, that the company, or maybe not even depending, right? Uh, should the strategy they've chosen, right? What, so, what, what steps would you recommend? Yeah, if you, if you're, if you're, sh the first step I would say is you need to know where your data is going. Um, and, one of the things we find interesting a lot of times when we start working with companies and we start, who are you sharing your data with? There may not be a good inventory of that. So the first thing you want to do is identify what they're getting, what are what systems they have access to, you know, what what is going on? Who's got what? Who's in your system doing stuff? Who are you sending data out to? Who are you taking data back in from? Make sure you have a good data flow and you know everybody that's involved. Um, and I know that sounds basic, but unfortunately, what we find a lot of times will be halfway through an audit and somebody will show up with, 
you know, company X that they've been working with for five years that nobody knew about. They were just shipping data off somehow. So make sure you know what's going on there and what they're getting. And you want to know what they're getting because that takes you to step two. You've got to kind of evaluate. Okay, we talked about various methods. Depending on what you're getting and what you're sharing, you may have different security requirements. Um, I, you know, so if, if, if the organization is the mailing vendor I talked about earlier, and they're just getting mailing addresses and they're doing generic marketing mailing for you, do you need the same level of security you might need with a population health management company in healthcare that's getting my name, my address, my insurance information, all my medical conditions? Maybe not. Maybe you need more security in one case than the other. So you want to evaluate that so that you can prioritize what you're going to do on the vendors. So the vendors who are high risk and have a lot of data, those are the ones you probably want to start working on and seeing what you, if you haven't done a good assessment, see what they've got, see what you need to do. Um, the vendors that are low risk, you can put off a little while. So you want to try to prioritize this. The other thing is you've got to repeat this. Um, mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people who had great security and a key person turned over and left. And when that key person left, things started going south. Um, and we've seen this when we come back in to do assessments. Did it year one, it was great, looked perfect, come back year two, and we're like, what happened? Well, John quit and John had the keys to the kingdom and nobody really knew what John was doing. Well, now we've got some problems. So you can't just do it once and put it in a drawer and say, okay, we're done. They're in great shape. You've got to repeat it periodically, maybe annually for your high risk, biannually for your low risk, but you've got to stay on top of that. Okay. Very helpful. Very helpful. All right. Well, Carol, thanks again for, uh, for joining today and talking about these issues. And thank you everyone for listening. As mentioned, make sure you subscribe and don't miss future episodes. And if you're interested in learning more about Compliance Point, check us out online, compliancepoint.com. Inquire with us at connect at compliancepoint.com or reach out to Carol or me directly on LinkedIn. 